0: may be seated and kids you are dismissed to children's church. I get i get Thanks. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Um appreciate your prayers this morning. I'm Super, super excited. Uh, also, a little bit nervous. Um, you know, sometimes when you have the opportunity to to, to preach different places, uh, you know, I tell people I love to go out to other churches and preach because it's really freeing to just go in and just. Hit them hard with the gospel. And if people are mad, who cares? You'll never see them again. You don't go there. You haven't been there before. But then when you preach at home, it's tough. Because, like, well, if people are mad today, I'm going to have to go to church with them next week. And they're saying, oh, I can't can't believe Daniel let that guy up there. I hope he never makes that mistake again. Uh, Or whatever it is, you know. So it's intimidating to be at home. And it's even more intimidating when you have a message It's difficult. Uh, Sometimes you get to get up here and you get to say, hey, man, God loves you and he wants you. And and you just need to be saved and God's going to bless you and take care of you and your family and whatever you're struggling with. He's going to build you up and he's going to make something out of nothing. Praise God. Ain't he good? Let's go. And that's easy. It's easy. And it's true, but it ain't the only truth. Sometimes God wants to take you from where you're at and he wants to make you into who he wants you to be. And to do that, sometimes he has to carve off the rough edges a little bit, all right? So to me, this is one of those messages that when I've been working on it for months and months and just waiting for an opportunity, and then when Daniel approached me about doing it, I said, I think I'm going to preach something different I don't know about that. That's a true story. Because when I first did it, I thought, man, people need to hear this. But then as I dug into it, as I fleshed it out, as I put it to paper, I said, (laughs) God, I needed to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. That was for everyone else. And he said, it's for you. But maybe everyone else, too. So this morning, I want you to turn me to John chapter 8. And, yeah, a lot of people are asking, well, what are these rocks, what are these stones for? And, And, you know, we'll get there. But I understand that it's a very, very rookie mistake to give people anything that they can throw at you when you're on a stage, even more so when it's something that could hurt. Okay, so I recognize the error of my ways. Hopefully, you choose to not throw them at me this morning, but if you do, Lord knows that I've probably deserved it at some point, if not today, at some point in the past, so We're in John chapter 8, going to be a fairly familiar story for some of you, uh, maybe most of you, but I hope that when we're done today, you're going to look at it not just as a story, um, but as a pattern for what our lives should look like. So if you found your place in John chapter 8, we're going to pick it up here. I don't know if y'all can see that. I'm not good at technology, so uh, anyway, hopefully, hopefully. We can see it. So here's what it says. It says in John chapter 8, starting in verse 2, it says, Early in the morning he, being Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us, And they which heard it, being convicted in their conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you, God, for the truth of your word, for the depth of your love and your forgiveness and your mercy. And, God, I thank you for your call to righteousness and your call to live it out and to be the example. And, God, your call to, to uh, God, not be held in sin, not be caught in sin, but also not to be caught in condemnation because we as believers have been forgiven. God, we have received your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we should walk as people who are no longer bound by sin, but who are bound by your spirit. And I pray that we'll walk in spirit and we'll walk in truth and we will worship in spirit and we will worship in truth, God, because you didn't condemn us when you could have. Lord, I pray that we'll walk in that truth this morning, God, and that we will encourage and help others walk in that truth as well. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Just pray you'll meet with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you read this story, uh, I'm just going to tell you, today's, today's going to be a little different. We're going to go through, we're going to ask some questions about the story, and we're going to answer them, and we're going to try to move quickly. You see, uh, I was scheduled to be in children's church today today. And I had to swap with someone else. So here's what you do. When you swap with somebody and send them to children's church, you can't go into overtime. Okay? You can't do that because they're belling me out. I can't get, you know, they don't get two for one here. Okay? I got to be respectful of their time. So we're going to answer some questions about the story. And then we're going to look at our role and where we're at. And then we're going to say, what do we do next? Okay? So it's going to be a little bit, we're going to be in sections. And I'm going to try to move through the facts quickly and the questions quickly so that we can spend some time on our hearts because knowledge puffs up, but the Holy Spirit draws us to him and to change and to action. So it's not just my goal to give you some random knowledge this morning. It's my goal for you to walk out of here a different person so that we're equipped to go about God's business this week. Amen? Okay, so here's some facts. Here's some breaking down the story. My first question when I read the story is, where is the man, okay? So if if this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, she was not alone, right? There was a dude involved here. So where is the man? And these guys, these Pharisees, these puffed up, hypocritical, church-going, Jesus-hating people, they come and they say, look, Jesus, you're teaching all these people here in the temple, but we got a question for you, this woman was kind of adultery just now we pulled her out of the bed and we brought her to you and the Bible says God's Word says the Old Testament says that she should be stoned okay so they did what people often do especially self-righteous knuckleheads they took and they distorted the scripture to fit the narrative they wanted it to fit you know the Bible doesn't say that if a man and a woman are kind of adultery the woman should be stoned it's not what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 20 through t- through 24, it very plainly lays out that when you're caught in adultery, now listen, we don't live under the law, but the law's still there. Okay, so that's a whole nother message. We're not there, but 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 we're not going to spend time. But but some laws still apply. Okay, so anyway, so when it says that when a man and a woman are caught in adultery, that they are both to be stoned. One place it says they're to be killed in verse 22 and verse 24 it says that they're to be taken out of the city and they're to be stoned. Both. Them. They. Two. Folks. Right? That's not what they brought. They brought one. So where's the man? Where's the man? Okay? So I don't know. We don't know. But I have some speculation. And it's fun to play with stuff like this. Okay, where was he? Well, I don't know. Maybe he was one of their buddies another scribe, another Pharisee, that it would not look good if we brought this guy because he's one of us, right? We can't take him down there because that's going to make the church look bad. That's going to make the temple look bad. That's going to make the Pharisees look bad. They're going to. We're righteous. This woman, she's expendable. She's not that important, so let's go trap Jesus with her. But, bro, you get out of here because you're making us all look bad. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what Scripture says. Scripture says that judgment should begin in the house of the Lord. If we don't hold ourselves to a higher standard than the world holds themselves to, then what are we doing here? We're wasting our time. We're called to do more, to be better, to go further, to give more. But that's not, that's not what I see here. I don't know if it was a scribe, but that's a possibility. They were protecting their own self. Maybe he paid them off. Maybe he said, whoa, guys, I know we're both supposed to be stoned, but you know, here's, a, here's, here's some cash. Take her. She ain't got much. That's why she's here. I did the same to get her here, probably. I don't know. Right? And I wasn't paying her enough for her to pay you off. So, here, don't take me. I don't know. That's a possibility. Maybe, and this is what I think is probably the most likely answer, either one or three, maybe he was in on it to begin with. Maybe they said, hey, look, we got to catch Jesus. What we need to do is we need to catch somebody in adultery, and take them to the temple, and if Jesus says stone them, then all the people will be less enamored with him because, you know, I mean, we're, he's having people stoned, and if he doesn't say, then we can say, well, he's a, he's a heretic because he's going against scripture, so what we need is we need one of you guys who maybe, you know, isn't as morally upright as the rest of us to have an affair with this woman, And I can guarantee you they didn't have to suggest it very long for one of them to say, I'll do it. Let's just call a spade a spade. This this might be why I don't get asked to preach a whole lot, okay? (laughs) So I don't know. Maybe he was in on it. Maybe from the get-go he was taking one for the team, and and they walk in. They pull her up out of the bed, and they say, let's go. We got Jesus now. What are they going to do? I don't know. Maybe it was something different. But those are the three things that came to my mind first. But here's what I can tell you for 100% surety. They didn't want justice. They wanted to trap Jesus and they didn't care who suffered. I mean, you want to know why the church is known as a place where I can't go down there because so-and-so goes to that church. You want to know why people say, well, well I know some Christians and there's some of the crankiest, meanest, nastiest people I know. It's because oftentimes as Bible-believing, proclaimed Bible-believing, church-going Christians, we're not looking for justice, but we use God's word for other things. Hmm. Listen, church. If you want to continue to cripple the work of God, continue to use God's word to catch people. Now listen, God's word, God is about justice and God is about about doing things right and being the right way. Uh, We may not be looking to trap Jesus, but we might be looking to unleash our righteous our self-righteous indignation on those who sin different than us. We might use the word of God to elevate our own status by demoting someone else because they sin differently than we do. We all struggle, but when we begin to use God's word to diminish someone else in the eyes of Christ, in the eyes of other people in this church, in the eyes of other people around our town, we begin to use God's word to diminish them, to build ourselves up, then guess what, folks? This is hurtful. We're the Pharisees. We're the Pharisees. And I don't think God likes that. I don't think Jesus liked it in this story, and I don't think think he likes it now. Question number two, what did Jesus write on the ground? I don't know. There's some great theories. If you do some research, there's some great theories out there. Uh, You know, I read it, I read this, uh, as I studied for this over the last few months, maybe he wrote Deuteronomy 22, 22 through 24. Maybe he wrote, if they're kind of adultery, big B, big O, big T, big H are supposed to be stoned. You can't, I don't think what your Bible said, what you said it said. I don't know. Maybe he wrote down their pet sins. He, he, he. Act like you didn't listen. He wrote down greed, power hungry, self-righteous, hater, perverter of truth, (laughs) blasphemer of scripture. I don't know. That's what I always thought. I'll be honest with you. That's what I always thought. Well, He just kind of wrote down their sins. Maybe, maybe not. Mm. This one. This one. I like to dance on the line, okay? Maybe he wrote down the names of the women they've been with. Oh. <laughs> yeah, what about her? What about her? What about her? No wonder they left. Maybe he was just doodling. Just ignoring them, let them know like you guys ain't got no authority here. You guys ain't got, some of y'all are doing that now. That's okay. Uh, sometimes it helps you helps you listen. But this one I read this week, and I thought that's pretty good. So this may be my new favorite one. Exodus thirty one eighteen says uh, it's talking about Moses on the mounts on Mount Sinai. With God, and it says that when he had finished speaking with him, when God had finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. So he may have dipped down there, writing in the dirt, and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt have no graven images, thou shalt not covet. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Because he was letting them know, because those guys know. Those guys are smart. And those guys are studied. And they see the finger of Jesus who claims. Listen, people say, well, he didn't claim to be God. Well, read your Bible, because he did. He did claim to be God. And he knew, they would have known if that's what he wrote. I'm not saying it is, but if that's what he wrote, they would say, I see what you're doing, Jesus. You're still claiming to be God. He wrote it with his finger. Now, you're writing the Ten Commandments with your finger. We get it. We see it. I don't know. I kind of like it, though. I kind of think that's a Jesus move. That's a Jesus juke that they didn't see coming. They're trying to catch him, and then all of a sudden, he's like, I'm just going to let you all know, I am he. That's good. And they said, we ain't got nothing else. Let's go, boys. We'll gather up. We'll try again next week. Okay? They have nothing. I don't know what he wrote. Those are just fun things to think about. But whatever he wrote, struck them in their heart. Listen, if we're coming to church week after week, and we ain't getting struck in the heart, then somebody's doing something wrong. And because other folks are getting struck in the heart, we're not gonna blame these guys. We're going to blame these guys, these gals. We're going to blame this one. When I come to church and I don't hear from God, you know what it is 98.5% of the time? It's my fault. I wasn't listening. I wasn't preparing throughout the week. I wasn't in the Word. It wasn't that the Word wasn't proclaimed. It's that I wasn't prepared to hear it. These guys today, they didn't fall on their face before Jesus and say, You're right, Jesus. I'm sorry. This was a messed up attempt. Forgive us. They said. We'll be back. We'll be back. They didn't hear. They got enough, but they didn't hear. Question number three. This is a question I've often asked. Okay, I've been caught in sin. And you know what? The first thing I wanted to do when I was caught in sin, get out of there. I want to get out of that situation. Okay? I want to get away I wanted some plausible deniability that it was even me. It just looked like me. It wasn't really me. Why didn't a woman dip out when the guys did? Have you all thought about that? This is some interesting stuff. She was clearly in a vulnerable state. She was taken in the very act of adultery. I don't think they got her out of the bed and said, Listen, woman, put on your best dress. We're going to church. I don't think that's how it happened. I think they pulled her out of bed. If she was lucky, she grabbed the sheet as they were pulling her and trying to cover herself up. And she came to church vulnerable and hurting and and, and not in a super spiritual righteous state. I don't think she was comfortable there. There may be someone here this morning who came to church and you said, you know what, I'm not comfortable. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for coming even in an uncomfortable state. Because I think Jesus wants to reach the uncomfortable. He wants to reach the vulnerable. He wants to meet you where you're at. And maybe you're not uncomfortable like this, but you came this morning knowing that you're struggling. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you're looking for answers and it's uncomfortable because I don't think I can get them there, but i got to try something. Maybe you came this morning because you do know Jesus, but you're struggling. You're wallowing in sin, or you're struggling because your life's falling apart, and God isn't blessing you the way you thought he would. And it's uncomfortable to say, Jesus, I'm here. I want to hear from you, God. Please speak to my heart. I'm uncomfortable even being here today, God, because I don't deserve to be in your presence. But please, Jesus, I need to hear from you today. You came to the right place. Because Jesus meets the uncomfortable, and he does something amazing because she was vulnerable. She was uncomfortable. She could have snuck away when the coast is clear, but clearly something said, he has what I need. I've tried to feel this need every other way. Tried to feel it through men, I've tried to feel it through money, I've tried to feel it through power, through position, for through this new job, through this new role, but only Jesus gives me hope that there's actually a chance for me. And I would rather be uncomfortable in the presence of Jesus than comfortable in the presence of the world. Amen? I would rather be uncomfortable. In the presence of Jesus, than comfortable in the presence of the world. She knew that there was something there. She was awestruck by Jesus, by his authority, and by the hope of a new life. Are we all struck by Jesus anymore? Are we just comfortable in the presence of God? Oh, yeah, Lord, here I am. Bless me if you can. Lord, it's Sunday. I guess I'm going to go to church and put in my time. It's community service, basically. Listen, that ain't what God wants. God wants you to be laid bare before him. Quit hiding behind self-righteousness. Quit hiding behind I looked apart. Listen, you may fool everyone in this church, but you ain't fooling Jesus. Let's come to church with a desire to be better. And you say, well, right now, Dusty, things are going in my life, going good in my life. Well, praise God. They can go better. Right now, I'm taking my walk serious. Good. We'll keep striving to take it serious or else it won't be long until you look back and say, I missed it when I was there. When I was on the mountain, I missed that feeling. Why didn't she dip out? Because she knew that even in that vulnerable state, Jesus was going to do something special for her. Now, here's the last question about this story anyway. Is Jesus condoning a sinful lifestyle? I, I like to use this story and every, you know, America's favorite verse Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. America's favorite verse, completely misused, contorted and, and turned of and I, man, I'm going to tell you, Daniel priest on Matthew 7 and I'll never forget that picture from the slide with the Railroad tie coming out of guys, I'm scarred for life. But it's a good scar because I need to remember that. The very verse that the world uses to well, judge, not lest you be judged, you shouldn't be telling people that that lifestyle is sinful, is actually the one that's saying, you know what, that lifestyle is sinful, and I need to address myself so that I can help my brother, help my sister, help that lost person come to know Christ. I want to help people come to know Christ. I want to, so why can't I do it more often? Well, usually it's because I'm walking around with a plank hanging in my eye telling someone, hey, you need to get right with Jesus. And they say, bro, you need to get right with Jesus. Facts. I do. Here's what we need to understand. Is Jesus condoning a simple Is Jesus saying, you know what? What well, she did ain't that bad. That's Okay it's okay. You know, I mean, she was born like that. She just had a desire. I mean, if she has a desire, then God wouldn't have made her with that desire if he didn't want her to fulfill it. Well, that's funny because Romans 6 says that just because I know Jesus, should I continue in sin? And this is their wordage. This is strong. God forbid God forbid that I continue to walk in my desires because, well, I was made that way. Well, it just felt right in my heart. Well, you all know what I say. I love to tell you what Scripture says. Scripture says the heart of man is deceifly, is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Quit following your heart. Church, if I could tell you, any of you, take anything away from this morning. Quit following your heart. Follow the Spirit. There's a reason that Jesus breaks our heart of stone and puts a new heart of flesh in us. That's the Holy Spirit. Stop following your heart. Start following the Holy Spirit. That's a whole nother message. You might have to get fired up, okay? I apologize. <laughs> I got you. We're like, listen, we're at least one-eighth of the way through, okay? So we're good. We're good. This same idea can be found in John chapter 5. Jesus heals the lame man. and He finds him in the temple later and he says to him, Behold, you have been made whole, but sin no more, lest something worse happen to you. We were not saved to continue on in sin. We were saved so that we could live righteously and in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to this woman that people love to leave off, he says, Look, who's condemned you? She says, no one, and he says, I don't condemn you either, but that's where a lot of people like to stop the story, but Jesus said, where are your accusers? Well, they're gone, Jesus. Well, I don't condemn you either. The end. Except it ain't. It ain't the end. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, does that mean that this woman walked out of that temple and never sinned again? No. No. No, and you're not going to walk out of church this morning and go and never sin again. Right? You're not going to. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying go and forsake your lifestyle of sin for one of righteousness, for one of faith, for one of repentance, for one of change, for one of I'm going to wake up every day and say Jesus, Jesus, what do I need to get rid of today so that I can get closer to you? It's not a license to sin. It's the opposite. Salvation is the same. Listen, we get a bad as Baptist. Oh, you're one of those Baptists, you just think you can pray a prayer, and you're okay. You can go on to sin all you want because once saved, always saved. Listen, I think there are probably as many people that are going to stand on Judgment Day and say, Well, Jesus, what about once saved, always saved as they're going to hell? he's going to say, no, 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 child, you misunderstood. I said, if you're my child, then I will hold you in my hand. Then I won't condemn you, but I will discipline you. I will chastise you. But the problem is, you weren't my kid. You were the screaming toddler at the grocery store. I didn't even know you. I saw you. I tried to help you but you didn't want no part of me. You wanted to feel good. You wanted fire insurance. You wanted to to be lifted. Okay, I prayed a prayer. I'm good. Listen, the Bible doesn't say pray a prayer, and we don't teach that. I teach, and we believe as a church, that when someone is saved, they are saved to the uttermost. And with that comes some security, but also with that comes an obligation to live it out. And if there's no obligation to live it out, if there is no, there is no call to righteousness, if there is no conviction uh, 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 when you live in sin, then there is no relationship. You didn't know Jesus to begin with. You prayed a prayer. You said some words, and you're still lost because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Mm, that hurt coming out my mouth. Now, we usually symbolize that decision to forsake all and cling to Jesus by praying a prayer. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is too many people said some words and never had a heart change. And I think that's the worst kind of lost. The worst kind of lost is when you don't even know you're lost. And you just keep going because you think you know. All right, guys, you know what I'm talking about. All right? You just keep going. Because you think, oh yeah, yeah this is the shortcut. And it took me 16 hours longer than normal. There's people who are lost that don't know it. And I hope, I hope it's not you this morning. If it is, I pray that God will reveal your true heart to you. And that you will be saved. Jesus isn't saying that what she's done is okay. But he is offering her a fresh start. And a chance to forsake sin. And cling to him. And he's offering you the same thing this morning. If you're lost, he's offering you a chance for a fresh start, to, to, to put the old man to bed and raise again to newness of life. If you're a Christian but you're struggling in sin, guess what he's calling you to this morning? The exact same thing, a chance to forsake sin and cling to him. Listen, as somebody who knows Jesus, there's still plenty of times that I need to repent. I've been saved. I don't need to be saved again. But sometimes I need to say, you know what, Jesus? My feet have gotten dirty walking this old world. I don't need to be washed. I've been washed. But I need my feet clean, right? Jesus kind of showed us that right before the crucifixion. Y'all should read it sometime. It's good. It's good. So the point of the sermon was not to give you facts. I got sidetracked. I went overboard. So now we're going to have to go, okay? Y'all got to listen quicker. The point of today is what's next, We all play a role in the story, and to be honest with you, the role is often changing. All right? The role is often changing. Some of you this morning, you came into church this morning as a Pharisee. Let's just call it like it is. Some of us came into church this morning as a Pharisee. Before you say, "Oh, oh, oh, that's not me, that's not me, let's take an honest look at what it means to play that role this morning. The Pharisees were keenly aware of the sins of others. While being totally oblivious to their own sins and their own struggles. Uh, Guilty. Done that one. It's especially true when someone sins differently than we do. It's especially true when someone's actions, whether it be sin or otherwise, affects or inconvenience my family or my people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't like what they're doing because that's not putting my person in the best spot. So, we're going to condemn them. We're going to stand against them. Here's another thing the Pharisees do, and we're guilty of it, church. We're guilty of it. They use their standing, they use their status, and they use their self righteousness to influence others to feel the way that they do. In other words, they said, Hey, hey, did you hear what Daniel said last week? He he called Dusty ugly and stupid on the stage. I can't believe a preacher would do that. I think we need to go find a new preacher. I think we need to go find. It's all right. I'll put down my stone, bro. i put it down. i forgive. i forgive. <laughs> they say, hey, can you believe so-and-so goes to that church? If so-and-so goes to that church, it can't be very good. Well, how about you say, hey, Did you hear so-and-so goes to that church? Man, let's pray that God will do a work in their life. They will scream to everybody because when they start living for Jesus, people are going, no. (laughs) Jesus did that because I knew them last week and they were not like that. They weren't like that before. Jesus doing a work. Listen, I hate parts of my testimony. But I'm thankful that my testimony screams that I'm not who I want to be and who God wants me to be, but I'm not who I was. People who knew me then and they know me now, they say, listen, Dusty still has his problems. But God's doing some things. And I don't want him to say, well, I'm not going to that church because Dusty goes there. I want him to say, man, Dusty's going to church, man. Let's pray that God will continue to do a work. If we change our mindset from being hateful and being condemning to being someone who lifts up others, even those who have done us wrong, then what can we do? Because let me tell you what happens when we use our standing, our status, and our self-righteousness to influence others against people of the church or people of the community. It diminishes our church in the eyes of the community. How many of you have heard, well, Danville First Baptist. boy, I tell you what, a bunch of rich snobs over there. Oh, I tell you what, that's where all the power players from the community go. I ain't going to church there I wouldn't fit in there. Listen, people have had that view because of things that we as church members have done. Call us fade as fade. You say, Well, I can't help what people think. Actually, you can. Live different. It's not hard. Sometimes you gotta go apologize. Say, you know what? You think that about this church? Because I was doing that, and I'm sorry that's uncomfortable. Good. Praise God. Be uncomfortable. It cripples our personal testimony, our ability to reach the lost. Listen, I tried this as a teenager. I would go hang out with my friends and do what they did, and then I would say, hey, come to church with me. And they would say, "Uh, okay, we'll go to church, then we'll go do whatever. And I'm like, yeah, of course, as long as we go to church, it's cool. That's stupid. That's not right. That's not right. It cripples my ability to reach the lost when I look just like they do. It distracts us from dealing with our own sin because we're focused on someone else. You want to know why so many Christians are still wallowing in their own sin? It's because they're too busy looking at everyone else's sin. And boy, if so-and-so would just do this, boy, I tell you what. Our church would be so much better if them deacons. Our church would be so much better. Listen, how about you say this church would be so much better when I... Start doing what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. Maybe the worst one of all, destroys the person that's caught in sin. When we use our standing and status as self-righteousness to turn others against people of our church or in the community, oh, we got to hurry. It destroys the person caught in sin. Our goal when dealing with people caught in sin should be to restore the sinner to Christ. That's the message Daniel preached from Matthew 7 several months ago. Get the plank out of our eyes so that we can restore the brother to Christ. Not so we can point their sin out. Some of us are still doing, okay, I'll get this plank out just so I can tell them about their sin. No, it's I'm going to get this plank out so that I can restore my brother or sister to Christ. We destroy the person caught in sin. The world is lost, dying, and going to hell because we're too busy throwing stones at each other and the world to do anything productive for the kingdom. The world's not drawn to that. When the church is the most... Hard place to get along with folks. Why would the world want the church? And if we're the bride of Christ, I think he, he hates that. I heard it recently that it's hard to throw stones when you're busy washing feet. Let's get that, church. It's hard to throw stones when you're busy washing feet, right? If I'm down here washing feet, even if I could throw it, I ain't going to have much power. If we get busy washing feet and quit throwing stones, we'd be more effective. The world will be drawn to Jesus when they see us loving like Jesus. Sin is still detestable to God, there's no doubt about it, and it should be detestable to us as His followers. But when we focus on it, it becomes hard to share the love of Jesus. The focus of Jesus was not on the sin, it was on His love. He called them out of sin, but He did it through love. Maybe you feel like the adulterous woman, you feel outcast, you feel condemned. Uh, you're here for a reason. You are loved right here. Jesus already proven that. Romans 5 8 says, God proved his love. He demonstrated his love that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. John 1 John 1 9 says, If we can sit, c- confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Repent, turn from your wicked ways, surrender your life to Jesus, and then go and sin no more. Second Corinthians 6 2 says, that Today is the day of salvation. So maybe you feel like the adulterous woman, I'm telling you, there's, there's salvation to be had. I feel like the last one, and then we'll have our invitation. The place that where I feel like most of us probably are or have been or will be at some point is we're really a combination of the two. We're a Pharisee, and we're also the adulterous woman. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's no one in this world that condemns me more than me. There's not. I have a standard for myself that I miss every single day, and I'm keenly aware that I ain't doing it right all the time. I think Jesus is calling us to lay those stones down too. I've gotten to a place in my life where it's pretty easy for me to not throw stones at most people. But I'm always throwing stones at myself. And I think some of you are there. Some of you have not reached your full potential in Christ because you're so busy condemning yourself of what Jesus has already forgiven you of. Jesus didn't forgive you just so you could drudge it up week after week and time after time. You cannot change the past, but you can walk in a newness of life. I am thankful that not only did Jesus forgive me but that he still forgives me even when I can't still forgive myself you probably don't feel worthy of forgiveness you know why because you're not but that's what makes Jesus so stinking awesome he didn't give me what I deserve he gives me what I can never deserve I can't comprehend Jesus forgiving me but I know this. He called me to forsake my old life to live my new life and it would be stupid for me to hang out in the cemetery with the corpse of who I used to be and miss out on who he's calling me to be. And church, some of us are there. Some of you say well, I just can't figure out why God doesn't use me. Listen, because you still think you're that old person. You ain't that old person anymore. And so, you know, I look in the mirror day after day and I say, "Man, There's nothing good there. You've done this. You've done that. You've made these people mad. You've you've hurt these people. You've made these decisions. Nothing you can do today. Just focus on you. I spent so much time focused on me that I don't focus on you. And I don't focus on them. Put the stones down. Josh, if you'll just come, we'll we'll get the whole team up in a second. But Josh, if you'll come now and just kind of play today, church, you need to walk in the forgiveness that Jesus gave you. Walk in the freedom of going and sinning no more. So here's my invitation. It's a little bit different today. For some of you, and this is multiple layers. So hear me out, okay? Hear me out, because. Some of you may need all these layers. Some of you may only need one. Don't, don't tune me out. We're finishing up here with the invitation. I want you to take that stone that you picked up today. I want you to hold it in your hand and say, oh, these stones, they're dirty. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Because they are. I could have washed them. But why? Lugging that stone around is dirty. It leaves a mark. It gets stuff all over you. So praise God. You can wash your clothes. It'll be all right. It's a symbol of what you're going to do next. Somebody here may need to accept Christ. You may need to take that stone, and you may need to come up here and lay it on the altar and say, Jesus, I acknowledge this morning that you didn't condemn me when you could have. I'm just going to lay the stone on the altar and say, Jesus, you didn't condemn me. This stone is going to lay here, but I'm going to go out changed. And that's okay. You can do that. If you need to be saved, let's take care of you. You don't have to wait till I'm done. Come on. Daniel or one of these adults, they'll grab you, and they'll take you back there, and they'll explain what it means to truly accept Christ. See, I don't think this adulterous woman said, oh, Jesus, hey, thanks, good job, buddy, and then walked out and just went back to her old lifestyle. Some of you need to not go back to your old lifestyle. You need to be saved today. Put the stone on the ground. Say, Jesus, you didn't condemn me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you and start your walk with Jesus this morning. Now, I didn't say if you've never prayed a prayer before. If you've never been saved, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today's the day of salvation. That's what the Word of God says. Somebody here, maybe they want to take that stone home and you want to put it somewhere where you will see it every day. Maybe you want to carry it in your pocket and you want to use it as a reminder that Jesus didn't condemn you and you need to stop condemning yourself. That Jesus has forgiven you and you need that reminder. And every day when you see that sitting on your bathroom cabinet or every day when you put it in your pocket with your keys, you say, you know what, today I'm gonna walk in the newness of life. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sin no more and I'm gonna be productive for Christ because Jesus could have thrown this stone because I deserved death. I deserved hell. I deserve to be lost. But Jesus had a better plan, and I'm going to walk in it. Maybe someone here today needs to bring the stone up on the altar. That's a hard one. And you say, "Man, I'm going to relieve. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to release the shame and the guilt that others have placed on me. I've let others define who I am, and I'm going to lay this stone down as a symbol that what they think." of me and my walk doesn't matter, because Jesus said that when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed, amen. So you need to come up here and you need to lay it on the altar and say, you know what, today I'm just saying, Jesus, I'm I'm not being defined by everyone else. I'm being defined by you and your salvation. I take back the power that I've given to those who said I wasn't good enough, because Jesus said I'm good enough. I take back the power Those who said I would never amount to anything because Jesus said I was worth dying for. I take back those who said I I, I was too dirty, I was too far gone, I was too sinful, I was too lost because Jesus said no one is so far that they're out of God's reach. And today, I won't be defined by my addictions. Today, I won't be defined by my failures. Today, I won't be defined by my past. And I may not be able to change people's mind, but I know that their opinion doesn't matter because Jesus said, where are your accusers? They ain't here. They ain't here. Jesus said, if they don't, they didn't condemn you, neither do I, child. Walk in it. Now, this next one's probably the hardest one of all. You say, well, Dusty, that was pretty hard. Listen, this may be the hardest one. Some of you need to take that stone you need to walk up to a brother or a sister. Maybe today. Maybe you need to pray about it a little bit first. Maybe you need to write it down because it's going to be hard for them to hear. You need to walk up and you need to hand it to them and say, you know what? I've been carrying this stone around waiting for a chance to throw it at you. But I don't have that power. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've condemned you. Because Jesus said, you're not condemned. I'm sorry that I've made things tougher on your walk with Jesus. I didn't deserve to have that. I wasn't worthy to carry that stone. Only Jesus was. And he said, it ain't mine to throw. Now, don't miss here. Don't mess this one up. It doesn't mean I walk up to Daniel and say, hey, Daniel, I forgive you for what you said last week. That's not what it is. It's, Daniel, I'm sorry because I've condemned you, and I don't care what you've done. Jesus didn't condemn you, and brother, I'm not going to condemn you because I love you, and I want to love you like Jesus. You want to get serious about what our church can do in our community? Quit throwing the dang stones and go hand them to the person and say, I love you because Jesus loved you, and I've been playing the role of Jesus, and that's the only role in the story that I can't relate to. Want people to take our church serious? Be a church that lives that out every day. People will be drawn to that kind of church because there ain't a lot of those churches around. I've thrown too many of these things in my life. And I've carried them waiting to throw more. Just looking for my chance. And Jesus said, Dusty, you're the last person on earth that should throw a stone at anyone. Your friends, your family, your coworkers are lost and dying, going to hell, and you're lugging around a stone? Gosh, church. Be different. Be better and know that when I say that, I'm talking to me first. I can't throw it at that guy. I can't throw it at those folks. Lord, just do whatever it is you want to do, God. Move on, hearts, but help us be obedient today. Whatever that call is, maybe it's something I didn't even mention. Whatever the call is, God, help us to be obedient. Because, God, your word promises that when you are lifted up, all men, all women, all children will be drawn to you. God, I pray that we won't just lift you up on Sunday morning, but we'll lift you up every single day day of the week let us lift you up in our jobs in our homes Lord knows I've failed but Lord let us lift you up at sporting events and in meetings let us live different because we don't deserve to throw the stone we don't deserve the mercy of not having the stone thrown at us but yet Lord you give that to us Do a work that only you can get credit for, Lord. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand.